Welcome to the podcast of Life Church in Houston, Texas. We are so glad that you are joining us today. We hope that this message inspires your week, builds your faith, and ultimately brings you closer to Christ. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the podcast. Last week, week three, we talked about what it means to live a life of holiness. That just means once you've repented, once you've left your old life behind, once you've been filled with the Spirit, now you're set apart. Now you live a life where you're different than the world. You're set apart for God's purpose, for God's work. Well, what is that? That's what we're going to talk about today. It's about serving. It's about serving. I love coming in here on Sundays. I love being in Houston. I love being in Friendswood. And I can't wait to go to League City for the first time next month. I love being with my church family. Y'all are my favorite people in the world. I love worshiping God together. Amen. I love worshiping together as a family because that's what we are. I love serving alongside such incredible people. But can I tell you that this is not what it's all about? That us gathering together is just a small portion of what God intends for his church to do. That God intends for us to have an outward mindset an outward focus, where we come in and we worship and we're strengthened and we're trained and our fellowship together makes us strong for what purpose? To go out into the world and make a difference. To go out where people still need to hear about the gospel, the message of Jesus Christ, where there's still people that need to be introduced to Jesus. Where there is darkness and despair and hurt and pain and shame and evil, We are the ones that are supposed to be advancing God's kingdom, confronting those things and meeting the needs of people. Jesus set the ultimate example for you and I. Let's read. I'm going to read in John chapter 13. I'm going to kind of jump around. I'm reading in different scriptures here. But this is is the night before Jesus was arrested. This is right before he is crucified. This is right before he's betrayed and hung on a cross Verse 2 of John chapter 13, it says this. The evening meal was in process, it was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. I want you to listen to this part. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and he had come from God and he was returning to God. Jesus knew he had all power. Jesus knew he held all power, authority over over the earth, over man, over any kind of spirit. God had, through Jesus Christ, he had all authority. He knew that in that moment. And he also knew what was coming. He also knew that he was going to be betrayed. He also knew what, what awaited him at the cross. He knew these things. So what was his response? Knowing he held all power knowing that he was going to be betrayed. Did, did he do like what you and I might do is think I'm going to, I'm going to stop this before it happens. I, after all, I do have all power and authority. I, I do have the authority to call angels down and I do have the authority right now to call out Judas as the one that's going to betray me and have him cast out. And I do have the authority right now to conquer the earth. I do have the authority right now to subdue every person. What was his response? Verse four, it says, he got up from the mill. 
He took off his outer clothing and he wrapped a towel around his waist. I want you to just get this picture in your head because it doesn't make sense. Jesus knew he had all power and authority and he's wrapping a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and he began to wash the nasty, dirty, stinky, long toenail feet of his disciples. Yes, even Judas. Yes, Jesus even washed the feet of the one that he knew was going to betray him. Yes, Jesus knew he had all power and authority in all the universe, and he was down scrubbing the feet of his disciples. Verse 13, after this whole ordeal, the disciples are asking him, Jesus, why are you doing this? Why are you serving, or why are you uh, washing our feet? We should be washing your feet. Jesus said, you call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that's what I am. Jesus knew who he was. So yeah, you, you see me as being in a position of power and authority, and you're asking why I'm, why teacher, why are you washing my feet? He says, you're right to call me those things. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, if I'm willing to get down and wash your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example. I, I've set an example for you that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Now that you know, now that I've set this example for you for how you should live, now that I've set the example for you of how you should serve others, even those that you might think are beneath you, now that I've set this example for you, if you do it, you will be blessed. And I love the depth here because in our modern culture, we can read this scripture and think, oh, Jesus is saying that if we serve others, that, that he's going to bless us, meaning he's going to give us things. If, if, we'll, if we'll serve others, if I can just serve the right amount of people, if I can, just, if I can really just get low enough and wash some, some dirty feet, I'm going to be blessed. I'm going to be blessed with, with my finances and my health, and he's going to give me things. But the original language here, the original word blessed in the Greek, it actually doesn't quite mean what you and I might think as blessed in our minds. It actually means something closer to fulfilled. Jesus is saying, now that I've set this example for you, if you do this, if this is the person you are, if this is your lifestyle of serving others, you will be fulfilled. You will find fulfillment. This is, this is what I want to say, it's, is serving others leads to fulfillment. Serving others, this lifestyle, not, not the obligation, not thinking of it as a duty, not thinking of it as something that I, I have to do if I'm a Christian, well, I, gotta, I have to put in my time. No, but if this just becomes who you are, that, that if you just become the person that God is calling all of us to be, if we become this kind of person that is in tune with the needs of, of those around us and the needs in the world, where we're saying, we're, we're, we're going into those situations with our towel around our waist saying, how can I serve? How can I help? How can I care for the people around me? Jesus says that's where fulfillment comes from. And, and did you know that the greatest need any human being can have, 
The greatest need at the pinnacle of our hierarchy of needs, the very top, is what sociologists, secular sociologists call transcendence. But really, that's just fulfillment. That's, that's living a life, living a life where you know your life has made a difference, your life matters, your life has impacted those around you. God wired us in a way where our deepest need is to know that our lives have made a difference. And why would he create us that way? Because he has also created us to live a life that is going to make a difference in the world. That's the life he has for us. The journey that we all go on when we encounter God, when we come to know God, when we find freedom from our past, when we discover the life that he has for us, the end result is that we're making a difference in our world. We're not huddling together in a room week after week, enjoying each other's company. We're going out and serving others and making a difference in our communities and confronting the real problems in the world around us. You see, we were not created to live an average life. This is, this is the part of Christianity that if we don't get this part, then Christianity can become dull and boring and repetitive. If we're not connected to God's purpose for us to be active in our communities, for us to be going out and finding the needs and meeting those needs, that's where the adventure comes in. That's where the fulfillment comes in. That's where God's purpose is, is seeking those that are lost and seeking those that are hurting and seeking those that are broken. And I know many of us, we come into this place Sunday after Sunday and we, we feel those things. We, we come in with baggage, we come in with pain and shame and we know that the answer to those problems is here together in the body of Christ where we do worship together and where we do hear, the, hear God's word together and where we grow spiritually together. But it doesn't stop there. We're meant to go out and continue reaching for those who haven't experienced this yet. Reaching for those that are not yet part of the body of Christ. A big part of, of our life that God is calling us to live, the foundational part of it is serving and just being aware of those needs and, and being a person that will just look to ways to serve others. And you might be wondering, how is it? How, how is it that the best life God has for me is a life where I'm actually, I'm actually serving others? It's, it's because that's, like I said, where that fulfillment comes from. Let's read in Mark chapter 9, verse 35. Sitting down, Jesus called the 12, and he said, anyone who wants to be first must be the very last and servant of all. Well, why is Jesus saying this? Because his disciples just didn't get it. If you read Mark chapter nine, we're, we're at a part of scripture where, where the disciples had been arguing with themselves. They had been arguing and, and bickering with each other about which one of them was going to be the greatest in Jesus' kingdom. They were asking questions like, Lord, when you come into power, who, who's going to be your vice president? Who's going to be, who's going to be the, the secretary of defense, Lord? Who's going to sit at your right hand? And they were playing this game of, I'm going to be greater than you in this hierarchy here. And Jesus' response was just, no, 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 no. You don't get it. You're, you're still not understanding, guys. 
You see, you, you're, you're saying these things based off of what the world looks like and the way that the world operates, and, and you're looking around at the kingdoms of the world, and you're, you're looking at how they're constructed and how they do business, and you're wondering who's going to be the greatest, but you don't understand, in my kingdom, it's different. In my kingdom, it's actually the opposite of that, because in my kingdom, anyone who wants to be first must be the servant to all. Matthew chapter 20, verses 26 through 28. Again, having this conversation, this is just in a different gospel that, that we see the same story. Jesus is saying again, you've seen how the world operates, you've seen how the world looks, but not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. Whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man didn't come to be served, but to give his life as a ransom for many. Now, Jesus is saying when he says the son of man, he's talking about himself. This is a title from the Old Testament referring to the Messiah. So when Jesus says the son of man did not come to be served, he's saying, I didn't even come to be served, guys. He's talking to his followers who know that he is God in flesh. He's saying, I'm not even here for you to serve me. I'm, I'm here to serve you. This is what I believe that God is doing. He's calling us to wake up and realize, wake up, awaken and realize that our lives are really meant to be less about ourselves and more about other people. Fathers, your life is meant to be less about you and more about your children. Wives, your life is meant to be less about you and more about your husband's. And husbands, it goes the same for you. Our lives are meant to be about more than just ourselves. Our focus and our attention and our desires and our efforts and our energies and the things that we, that we give our time and resources to is supposed to be less about ourselves and more about others. So what, what is all this for? Surrendering to Christ, being full of the Spirit, being set apart for God's purpose, it's to serve others. So today I just want to talk to you about what a servant looks like. Because if this is, if this is the goal, if God's goal, if God's goal is to get you to a point in your life where you are completely surrendered to him, full of the power of the Holy Spirit, living a lifestyle of holiness so that you are set apart, if God's purpose is so that you would go out and be a servant to those around you, and serve those people closest to you, and serve the community that we are in as Life Church. what does a servant look like? If that's God's end goal for you and I, what, what does this look like? So let's talk about it. The first thing is this. A servant is someone who puts service over status. Service over status. That means you're not looking for what you can get in return. That means you're not keeping score of, well, I know I did this and this. I did that person that favor one time and they owe me. So I'm not going to do another thing for them until they give me what they owe me. It also doesn't mean trying to, to get at a position of authority or, or climb some kind of hierarchy where you're saying, well, until I can, until I can get to this level, this, you know, this stuff really, this other stuff is just beneath me. I know that these things need to get done. I know the toilets need to be cleaned. And I know the trash needs to be picked up. 
And I know somebody needs to clean up that spill, that coffee spill in the lobby. And I know there's trash littered all across my neighborhood. The city needs to take care of that. That stuff's beneath me. A servant puts service over status. Let's read Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. The Apostle Paul, writing to the church in Philippi, he tells them, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Really what he's saying is don't, don't do something thinking it's going to benefit you. Don't let that be your motives. Don't, don't let your motivation be what am I going to get in return. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. That means don't be in it for the recognition either. Recognition. Don't we live in a culture that loves the recognition? Just look on social media. Just scroll a little bit. I've seen, I've seen people, you know, go on Facebook Live. Hey, everybody, watch how generous I am. I'm going to give $5 to this person. Pat me on the back, please. Give me likes and shares. Look how amazing I am. Right? We live in this culture that wants the recognition. But that's not, what, that's not what Christ modeled for you and I. In fact, did you know that so many times Jesus would heal someone of a disease or heal someone that had problems physically and he would tell them, hey, don't, don't tell anybody. And if things, if the crowd got too hyped up around him, if, if he started getting a big following of fans, you know what he would do? He would sneak out of the town. A servant puts service over status. It's, it's about Serving, not, not the rewards, not, not the recognition, not, not the success that I can achieve, not the different positions that I can hold. It's just about serving, not doing things out of vain uh, conceit, not doing things out of selfish ambition, but just caring about the needs of others by myself. That's hard. I'm going to stick right here for a minute. That's hard, right? It's certainly hard to view strangers that way, isn't it? let alone your, your own family, husbands, let alone your wives and wives, your husbands and, and, and your children, and your brothers and sisters and your parents and your cousins and your aunts and uncles, like people that we, we love, that we are close with. If we can't even love the people closest to us this way, what chance do we have of going out and loving strangers this way? If we can't even love each other in this room that way, if we can't, if we're, if we're purposely separating ourselves and going to different campuses from other people in Life Church because we can't stand them, if we can't love each other well in here, how are we going to love each other well out there? If we can't serve in here where it's, it's easy, where, where the whole purpose of why we gather is to build each other up, if we can't serve in here, how are we going to serve out there? The second thing is this. A servant puts character over comfort. Character over comfort. There's a story in the Bible, a parable that Jesus tells. It's commonly known as the Good Samaritan. Have you heard of the Good Samaritan? Friends, what? If you've heard of the Good Samaritan, will you raise your hand? It's a pretty common story. There's a story in the Bible. Jesus is being confronted by someone and asking what they must do for salvation. And, and 
Jesus asks him, how do you interpret the law? What do you think the law is? And the guy responds. He says, well, it's to love the Lord my God with all my heart, all my strength, love God with everything I have, and to love my neighbor as myself. And Jesus says, yeah, you're right. And then the guy says, yeah, but who's my neighbor? Who is it that I'm, I want to know, Jesus, tell me, who is it that I'm supposed to love like that? Immediately, you can already tell he's got the wrong idea, right? Because he wants to know, okay, I've got to do this, and I've got to, I've got to love my neighbor as myself, but if I can just figure out who that is, then I know I, I need to love them as myself, but everybody else, I don't have to worry about them. So Jesus, his response in Luke chapter 10, in reply, Jesus said, tells the story. A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes. They beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, you would think the priest is going to have compassion, and the priest who serves God is going to come to this man in need who's half dead. But Jesus said, no, he actually went to the other side of the road, and he kept walking. Verse 32, it says, so too a Levite, another religious person in the Jewish culture, when he came to the place and saw the beaten man, he went to the other side and, and passed by. But a Samaritan, now this is important to understand what Jesus is saying, because Jesus is talking to a group of Jewish people, and he's introducing this character, the Samaritan, who's going to be the hero of the story and in that day, there was a lot of racial tension, cultural tension between the Jews and the Samaritans. They hated each other. They hated each other. And Jesus is being asked, yeah, well, who's my neighbor? And he tells the story of the Samaritan. The Samaritan, as he traveled, he came to where the man was. And when he saw the half-dead man, he took pity on him. He went to him. Listen to all the things that this Samaritan does for this man. He went to him and bandaged his wounds. He poured on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, and he brought the man to an inn and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. It's money. He says, I want you to look after him. When I return, I'm going to re uh, reimburse you for any extra expense that you may have. He's telling him, hey, take care of this man. Do whatever needs to be done. Whatever you spend and whatever you have to buy to make sure this man recovers, when I come back, I'm going to reimburse you. And then Jesus asks, well, which one of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man that fell into the hands of the robbers? And the man that was asking all the questions, the expert in the law said, well, the one who had mercy. Jesus could have left it like that, but he didn't. He said, go and do likewise. <laughs> he said, yeah, you're right. Now go and act like this. Well, what, what is that exactly? Look at what the Samaritan man did. He put character over comfort. You think this wasn't an inconvenience to the Samaritan man? You don't think this was an inconvenience on his time? You don't think it was an inconvenience to get someone else's blood all over his clothes? Was it an inconvenience for him to take this half-dead man and put him on his donkey and take him to an inn and get a room and mend his wounds and pay for the innkeeper to take care of him and say, whatever he needs, pay for it, and when I come back, I'll reimburse you? Don't you doesn't that sound like an inconvenience? It's an inconvenience, but that's when service, a servant's heart puts character over comfort. 
That means I'm doing this because this is who I am. I'm doing these things because this is who I am, even if it means I'm going to be uncomfortable. Even if it means I might have to give up some of my free time. Even if it means I'm going to have to give up some of my resources. This is who I am. A servant puts we over me. We over me. Let's read Acts chapter 2, verses 44 through 45. This is the beginning of the church. It says that all believers were together and had everything in common. They were doing life together. The believers in that first church, the church that started in Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost, they genuinely loved each other and they did life together. They hung out with each other. They ate meals together. House to house, all through the city, they were doing life together. And then once a week, they were coming together, worshiping. But they were, they were all together, had everything in common. Verse 45 says, they sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. We will never ask you to sell anything. Do not sell all your possessions, okay? That's not what we're asking. But what we see here, the example is, they were united and they gathered their resources together to meet the needs of others. Don't you know that's what we do every time that you tithe, every time that you give an offering? You're helping this, this local church. You are part of the effort of going out and serving and spreading the gospel and meeting the needs. We, we meet needs here just in our local churches at Friendswood, Houston, League City. We, we meet needs of people in need here. And we also support, we support so many things happening in our communities and around the world. I'm going to tell you about them here in just a moment. But, but a servant has that mindset of we over me, of I'm going to do my part. I'm going to give of my time. I'm going to give of my resources. I'm going to give of my energy. I'm going to be part of this group effort so that we can make a difference in the world around us. And that that's the truth. You heard Pastor Mike and Pastor Gene talk about it just a moment ago. And I'm sure at Friendswood, you've heard the same thing, that we were not created to do life alone. We're not created to do life alone. God created us to be in a relationship with him and to be in a relationship with each other. And that's just the truth about it. Life is better together. Life is better when we're together. So, so how can you become connected? I know it's easy sometimes to walk into a place and just feel lost in the crowd. I know it's easy even to walk into this room or to go to Friendswood and, and feel like you're just kind of invisible maybe. You're lost in the crowd and you're not sure how you can get connected. But what you can do is you can join a life group. That's the, that's the easiest and best way to get the right people in your life. And, and they talked about, you can go to life.cc slash life groups and you can join a group. You can join multiple groups. It's not a lifetime commitment. It's, it's 12 weeks where we just give you the opportunity to join a group and get the right people in your life. You're going to meet the best friends you've ever had. See, I think there's some people here and at friends where there might be some people who you've been trying the church thing for a while and you're not really making progress and you're, you're, you feel like you keep getting dragged back into the same old lifestyle, and it's probably because if you looked around at your circle of friends, 
It's the same people you've been running with who are up to no good, who are influencing you to do things you shouldn't do, who are thinking in ways and talking in ways and acting in ways that are contrary to the life God's calling you to live. And I'm not saying that you have to cut people out of your life. Certainly don't do that. You do need the right people around you. If you look around right now and you, you count, who are my three closest friends that I go to when I have problems and none of them are pursuing Christ? None of them are on a walk with Jesus? You need some, some other people in your life. You need people that are gonna be going in the same direction that you're going. So go to life.cc slash lifegroups. And these things, listen, don't, don't have the idea that you're going to go into a, like an intense Bible study and people are going to be laying hands on you and shaking you around and tell us what your deepest, darkest sin is. Confess. It's just normal people like you hanging out, having conversations. Some of our groups are based around a Bible study. Some of them are just purely social, just hanging out. Join one of those groups. That's how you become connected to this local church is when you're connected to the people around you. Here's the other way, having this we over me mindset. Having this we over me mindset is by joining the team. By joining the team here. And, and they talked about this process we have after church, this event, not a process, this event we have right after church here at Houston, at Friendswood, and at League City it's called Discover Life. This, this Discover Life event is just an opportunity for you to come and meet our team, connect with our campus pastors. We're going to have some food. We're going to have fun. You're going to hang out. There's some games. But the, the, the biggest thing for you is just to connect and hear more about serving. It, it's, just a, it's not going to take much of your time. You're still going to have time to get to the restaurants and get lunch and do all of that. But after service, if you will stop by the Discover Life event, you're just going to hear more about the opportunity you have to join the team. And we have this book available that, we, that we've created. It's just called the Discover Life book. Even if you're just curious about what this looks like, what this process looks like, stop by and get this because this, this is a resource for you. This book was created to be like your map and how to navigate your spiritual journey here at Life Church. This book that we've created tells you everything that you might need to know about Life Church. It's got the process that we always talk about, the journey that, that God has for everyone to know God, find freedom, discover life, and make a difference. That's all explained in here. Maybe you're, you're somebody who's, you have questions about our church government and our statement of faith. It's in here. Maybe you want to know what our approach is to finances. It's in here. But more than that, what this book really is all about is showing you how you have a place on the team. How, how God's plan for your life, part of God's plan for your life is joining the team of the local church here and serving each other, serving others. So I encourage you, as soon as service is over, Pastor Mike, are they, you meet in the lobby here? And at Friendswood, Pastor Tito and Pastor Sam, they'll tell you exactly where, where to meet there. But just head out into the lobby here at Friendswood, connect with that team, ask questions, hear more about what it means to start serving and it's very simple. We'll just invite you to, to come and join us, to come and start the learning process. There's not any tests you have to take. There's nothing like that. It's just an opportunity for you to connect and for us to, to explain what serving is all about. Here's the last part of being a servant that I want to talk about. A servant puts worship over wealth. Worship over wealth. 
I'm going to read a passage here. And this is Jesus speaking. And this is one of the, this is one of the uh, more intense passages of Scripture that people sometimes will read and say, oh my gosh, uh, I, I didn't know it was like that, Jesus. Man, okay, let's read Matthew 25, 31. Here he is again saying, when the Son of Man, that's really what he's saying is when I, when I come back. When I come back in all my glory and the angels are with me and I'm sitting on my glorious throne when Christ returns is what he's talking about. When Christ returns and all the nations gather before me, meaning all people in the history of mankind, when they're gathered before me, I'm gonna separate the people one from another as a shepherd would separate the sheep from the goats. I'm gonna put the sheep on my right. I'm gonna put the goats on my left. Then the king will say to those on his right, this is Jesus speaking, he says, then I'm gonna say to those on the right, come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. And those that are righteous on the right, they will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you? Or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you as a stranger and invite you in? Or, or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in, or in prison and go visit you? You know what this tells me? Is that the righteous, they weren't keeping score. They weren't keeping track. They didn't have a list of all the good deeds that they had done that they felt like other people owed them recognition for or God owed them blessings for of look how good I have been to others. This is just who they were. They put character over comfort. They put service over status. They put we over me. They put worship over wealth and the king replies, truly I tell you, whenever you did one for the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did it for me, when you served others, when you served those around you, you might not have realized it, but you were really serving me. The other group, I won't read this, the rest of this passage, but the group on the left, they had done a lot too. They thought they had a really impressive resume. They, they start giving Jesus an account of, hey, I did this and I did this and, and I did all these amazing spiritual things and I did all these amazing religious things. And he says, yeah, but you didn't serve those around you. He actually says, I never knew you. I didn't even know you. The people who had done the religious stuff, he says, I didn't know you. That's where this awakening needs to happen for us to realize that if we are not fully aware of the life that God has called us to live, if we miss out on truly what God is calling us to do and we're not outward focused, and we're not truly operating as his hands and feet, and we're not serving those around us, I don't want to be on the left. I don't want to be with the goats where Christ says, I never knew you. The kind of worship that God loves the most, and listen, I love gathering together, and the band can join me up here. I love gathering together. I love Sundays when we sing together. Sometimes at my house, I'll just put on YouTube some worship music. I'll crank it up really loud and I'll just jump around and act like a fool in my house. 
and scream at the top of my lungs and speak in tongues and lay down on my ground, on the ground, face down. I love to worship. But you know what kind of worship God loves the most? More than that display is when we love the people that he loves. That's what's pleasing to God is when the people that are following him and living the life that he's called us to live, if we will love the people he loves, that's the kind of worship that God loves the most. Worship over wealth means leveraging all that we have to make a difference in the world around us. Worship over wealth, Life Church. Worship over wealth, Friendswood. Worship over wealth, Houston, means that together, as the few hundred believers that we are, gathering together, giving what we can, pooling our resources, being united in vision and effort for one purpose, to make a difference in the world around us. And there's, there's a responsibility that we have because there's opportunities that this church has that other churches don't. We're part of a much larger plan here. We are a local church that is connected to the global church. That everywhere around the world, God is operating and using local churches to spread his kingdom. We're part of that. And there's opportunities that we have in this house that we can be united in. I'll just tell you one of them. This Ima's home. Ima's home. Many of you know that. Friends, would you, you, many of you know that. But if you don't know, Ima's home is an orphanage that our lead pastor started in the Philippines. It opened in 2014. It opened with 13 children on the first day. Today has 120 children. We're expanding and right now in the process of building a brand new campus that will increase the capacity of Ima's home from 120 to 300 children. I want you to feel the weight of this, Life Church. There are other local churches that have partnered with us. There are other people that help support. This church is the champion of Ima's Home, meaning the, the primary financial support that goes to Ima's Home comes from this house. You gotta think about 120 kids right now and in the future, 300 children that have been saved from very abusive situations. Violence sexual abuse, children abandoned, living on the street with no parents, no supervision, as young as three years old, babies abandoned at restaurants. I'm talking about the actual children we have at Ima's home. That's their story is that they were totally abandoned. They're being abused. And you and I, Life Church, we get to champion them. That's what we're united with. We support a church in Lithuania, in Eastern Europe, called Life Church Lithuania. We give every year to support the work that's being done there. And don't you know right now in Eastern Europe, things are a little crazy? Yeah. Don't you know that there's people in need and there's people seeking refuge in that church, Life Church in Lithuania, Pastors Tony and Shasta Miller, they are actively helping those, those refugees that are coming from Ukraine and they're looking for ways to serve the people in their local community. And we get to be part of something that's happening all the way over in Lithuania. That's right. there's, there's churches and pastors all across the Philippines that we support, you and I. When we give, when you tithe and you give of your offerings, when you give towards the legacy offering, there are ministries happening around the world that you're part of. 
Even here in our local communities, Matthew Ministries with Langdon and Jessica Cassidy, they're serving the local communities, the homeless in our local communities. They're serving those in need. They're clothing people, feeding people constantly. We get to partner with them. We get to be part of that. Our serve team here at Life Church, constantly going out into the communities and even here at the apartment complex yesterday, Cabo San Lucas, we had a team that went out just to serve the people there, meeting the needs. We have an opportunity coming up in just a few weeks. I want you to be aware. These are the things that need to be on your radar, Life Church, because there's going to be opportunities. There's going to be moments where we are, we are needing a lot of volunteers to come out and help us in the local community with bigger projects. And next month, we're going to go over to Cabo San Lucas, and we're going to have a serve day out at that, at that uh, facility, and we're going to do some hard work. There's a laundry mat that they have, a laundry room that needs to be totally renovated. We're going to get our hands dirty. We're going to go out and serve the needs that they have, and you need to be ready for that. I'm not just saying ready. You need to be ready in your heart to be always listening and looking for those kinds of opportunities. We have a team that started a ministry over at the Buckner facility. They're gonna need volunteers. We support churches in Mexico as well, financially. We send teams to support these ministries. Why am I telling you all of this? Because I want you to know that there's an outward focus here. There's an outward focus for us. We have this outward focus because this is what God's called us to do. God has called us to be in tune with the needs of those around us, to be in tune with the needs of our local communities, to be in tune with these needs and do all that we can to meet those needs, to serve people. This is how I'm just going to tell you one last thing here to end this part of my message is this. What's God calling us to do? To make a lifetime commitment to serve the needs of others in a way that glorifies Jesus. That's what it means to awaken. That's the process. I've spent four weeks to tell you this one sentence. That your life needs to become about a lifetime commitment of serving the needs of others in a way that glorifies Jesus. And we want to do that together. I know we talk about joining the team a lot going to this Discover Life event. Can I just tell you some of the benefits that, that come with joining the team here? And you can stand with me here at Houston. You can stand with me at Friendswood. I'm wrapping it up. There is a need for all of us to develop a servant's heart. Because you and I are going to battle our flesh. We're going to battle our own desires. We're going to battle our own comfort. We're, we're going to have to battle even just wanting to be comfortable and not wanting to be inconvenienced. We can get complacent. We're going to have to battle those things. And we have to develop a servant's heart. The best way that you can do that, the best way that you can develop a servant's heart is by joining the team here at Life Church, by joining our family and saying, hey, I'm ready to start serving others, even if that means preparing coffee on Sunday mornings. I'm ready to start serving others. I want to be a greeter at the door of the church so that I can welcome others into, into the auditorium. See, 
you might think of it as something that's inferior, don't look at it that way. Because when you're part of the team, when you just jump in and you say, hey, I want to do my part, what's happening? You're developing a servant's heart. You're just, you're just making up your mind. I'm ready to start, to start serving others. I'm making my life more about others and less about myself. And this is like the training ground. Maybe you're intimidated by the idea of going out into the, into the world or going on where you work or in your, your own neighborhood and in your own family and start living this kind of lifestyle where you are a witness to others for Christ, where you're serving others. You know where you can develop this servant's heart, where you can develop your spiritual gifts? It happens in the house. It happens when you join the team. This is how the church is supposed to operate. You and I are supposed to serve each other according to our spiritual gifts. Did you know that when I stand up here and when pastor stands up here to preach, this is us serving you. This is us studying and and, and preparing these messages and, and communicating to you in a way that would help you have spiritual growth or would help you take your next step. I'm just part of the team. That's why I wear this. I'm just part of the team. I'm doing my part on the team to serve you and all of you. All of us have a place on the team to serve one another. So I'm challenging you here. I'm challenging you. If you have not taken that step, Maybe you've been attending Life Church for a little while, a few weeks, a few months, a few years, and you've never taken that next step. I'm challenging you, take it today. You're gonna have a lot of fun at Discover Life. You're gonna get some good resources and you're just gonna have the invitation, the opportunity to join us, to join the team. And listen, there's nobody that can take your place. There's nobody that can take your place. This is the life that God has for you that you would serve others. And nobody can do that for you. So I'm gonna pray for you. I'm gonna pray for the the campus, the Friendswood campus. I'd like to invite our prayer team to come forward as well. Prayer team there at Friendswood. Our prayer team's gonna be ready as soon as we start going into one last song of worship. If you have a need, if you have a need in your life, you have a need in your body, if you're ready to commit your life to Christ, if you're feeling challenged, like you wanna take that next step and you're not sure what it is, Come partner with somebody in prayer. And then as soon as we dismiss at Houston, you'll be in the lobby, friends with, they'll give you instructions on where to go. And over at League City, this is happening as well. We would love to have you at this Discover Life event for you just to learn more about what this next step looks like. So I'm gonna pray for you here. As soon as I say amen, I'm handing it back over there to the team at Friendswood. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for your goodness. Jesus, I thank you that in the moment where you knew you had all authority and all power, in the moment that you knew you could do whatever you wanted, where you could command angels and men, in the moment that you knew that, you decided to put a towel around your waist and to wash the feet of your followers. You decided to wash the feet of the person that you knew was going to betray you. Jesus, as you hung on the cross, you you cried out, forgive them, they don't know what they're doing. You gave us that model. You gave us that example. You showed us, Lord. You showed us what this life looks like. 
You showed us what it means to be awakened and aware of the life that God has for us. It's about others. God, what good is it for us to gather here on Sundays? What good is it for us to sing our songs? What good is it for us to gather if we're not going out and reaching people? What good is it for us to gather if we're not even willing to serve the people sitting next to us? Help us, Lord. Give us that desire. Give us that servant's heart that says, I'm willing and I'm ready. I want all that God has for me. I want to live the life that he has for me. So I'm going to start serving others. God, I pray for every need in this place. People that have come in carrying some baggage, carrying shame, pain, regret, whatever it is. Maybe they just come in feeling like, like they're in a pit of despair, like they don't know where to turn. They have no hope. God, I pray that in this moment that you would just flood this auditorium and Friendswood's auditorium just with peace. You are the Prince of Peace, Lord. Everywhere you go, you bring peace. Everywhere you go, you bring healing and hope. And God, for those that need that today, I pray that you would visit them by the power of the Holy Spirit, that bodies would be healed, that minds would be transformed, that that burden that they walked in feeling like they're carrying, that it would just be lifted, Lord. That you would take their burden and instead give them rest, Lord. I thank you, God, that for 68 years, for almost 70 years, you have allowed Life Church to be a church that is operating in the greater Houston area, to be a church that has the resources and capabilities to serve the communities around us. God, never let us take that for granted. Every person, God, that is part of Life Church, no matter if they've been here for, maybe today's their first day or if they've been here for 50 years, Never let us take it for granted that you have put us in this place and you have given us resources and you've given us provision and you have blessed this house for one purpose, to do your work, to do your work. That's what we want to do, God. We want to do your work. We want you to lead us and guide us and direct us to the places that need you. We want you to help us find the hurting and the broken and the lost and to introduce them to you. We want to confront the evil that's in our communities and the the abuse, the sex trafficking and the poverty and the hunger and the homelessness and the drug addiction. We want to confront those things, God. We don't want to hunker down. We don't want to tune it out. We want you to use us to confront those things. We want to advance your kingdom and we want to bring you glory and we all want to be a part of it. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.